The second I get a microphone, like everything in life makes sense to me. It's like existing in social situations is so hard for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like I like I go around, I talk to everybody at mics now, but that's something I had to like learn that I needed to do because mm-hmm. I used to not. And then when I get on stage, it's like, oh, it's just talking normally. And I'm not like shy or scared. So people just think I'm a fucking prick that doesn't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> no kidding, dude. So you just when you first started stand up, you just it was no- natural for you to just grab that mic and just go with it. Yeah, it's always been natural for me. When I, I remember when I my first show doing uh, sports talk radio, I just they hand me a microphone. Just boom. Easy. Uh, quickly, can we can can we maybe oh, move shit, him yeah. out? Yeah, I'm sorry about that. No, I just I, I didn't even know he was in here. He's just yeah, so I know he's sneaky. I saw him and I was like, oh hi, honey. I'm sorry. <laughs> Aw, my oh, bad. We're marinating my fucking cat for dinner. That's all <laughs> um, so yeah, you're talking about radio. Yeah. Uh, are we? we you want to start? Or are we starting now? We're starting now. Oh, we're we're going, in bro. Oh, we're, we're already going. in it. Yeah, Fuck I'll, yeah, I'll, let's I'll, do it. I'll do the introduction again, dude. Or not even again. Fucking, this is fucking Mike Bassano. <laughs> fucking, the very handsome Mike Bassano. The most handsome guest I've had on the podcast. I disagree vehemently. Jason Tyler's a great looking dude. Um, but I appreciate that. Thank you. Of course, um, dude. I would never tell a lie. But anyway, back to the, the microphone thing. I was doing, like when I was in college, I was a theater performance major. And then when I was there, I kind of, I don't know, I kind of got bored with the theater thing. Like, it was fine, but it wasn't great. Uh-huh. And then I started doing, I got into this radio station. I started doing uh, sports talk shows. And almost instantly, it was like, oh, this is super easy. Like, this is exactly what I should be doing. And then, like, three months later, I got a TV show. Um, and this is all, like, while I was still in college. And then a year later, I graduated. And then uh, that was 2011, which... For anyone who remembers the economy in 2011, no jobs. Yeah, Everyone yeah. was fucked. Right. And I got offered a show by ESPN South Dakota. So I picked up and I moved to Aberdeen, South Dakota and did from a where? show from Lawrence, Kansas, KU, where I went KU. to college. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Aberdeen, South Dakota. Did you do stuff for their college? My sister went there. Uh, yeah, for Northern State. Northern State. She played yeah. soccer there, dude. Yeah, I used to cover Northern State. I covered Northern State football, soccer, all of it. What the fuck? Yeah, because when you're a small market like that, you cover everything. What year was this? Uh, 2011. Dude. She was there. She was no shit. Soccer. Yeah, that's fucking awesome, dude. Two guys, dude. Two guys, dude. That's wild. Dude. That's a, no yeah, way. small world, man. Who would have thought? Shit. Aberdeen, South. I've never met one person who's like, oh, I know Aberdeen, South Dakota. Bro, not what? one. That's awesome. That's crazy. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I covered Northern State for a season. No fucking kidding. Man. Yeah, for dude. fall, and then I got promptly fired. Um, <laughs> Why? <laughs> The, the guy who I replaced had been there for like 10 plus years and he had gone somewhere else to a larger market, but he really missed it. So mm. he wanted to come back. And I remember mm. I heard he wanted to come back and they already had a place open for his wife. Um, so then I went, I remember I go into my boss's office and I'm like, so what does this mean for me? He's like, shut the door. And <laughs> I was like, shit, man, because I had picked up my whole life, moved to South Dakota, but that's the business, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be upset about it. And I ended up falling forward and getting a show in Kansas City at nights on six ten, like a year later. So you know, you just keep firing off, you keep going, and that's right. the nice thing about that industry before doing comedy and before acting is that broadcasting is very cutthroat. Um, I actually think people are way, I think it's a way harsher business than Hollywood. Really? Oh, people always talk about Hollywood's this horrible thing. It's like, bro, people, like when you go into an audition, they want you to succeed. Like they really do. And there are often times when you go into a radio station or a TV station and there are a lot of people there that want you to fail. 
So no kidding. Yeah, there's not that collaboration. It's it's very ego driven. If you talk to any talk show host or anybody, or just think of a talk show host, think of Don Lemon or Tucker Carlson. You know, you have the the egos the size of fucking Texas on these guys. So you know, I dealt with a lot of really huge ego people. My ego was bigger back then. Uh, if you want to lose your ego, go to an open mic in Los Angeles. <laughs> It will destroy it. It'll dismantle it to nothingness. (laughs) That is exactly true. So, yeah, but I think over time, it just, I fell out of love with it. That's what happened in in sports talk. I fell out of love with it about 2016. Yeah. I I had gone to Kansas City. I'd already done, I went and did an afternoon show in Lincoln, Nebraska for a few years that was outstanding. That was like my favorite stop. People in Nebraska are great. They're like, really? Oh, they're the nicest people, dude. It's crazy. I remember. When I first moved to Lincoln, I'm walking down the street. I lived in downtown, and this guy like says, "Stops and goes, hey, how are you?" And I'm like, I looked at him like, "Who the fuck are you?" But dude, I, I, <laughs> because they're just that nice. I, I feel like that's everywhere except like the bigger cities, though. Like the no, Kansas places, City's not like that. No, 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 not in. But Can- how big it, is Kansas City? It's, a it's metropolitan like area, it's like two point four million. It's a yeah, mid-sized big, city. Dude. But even in like Lawrence, Kansas, and places like that that are a little smaller, you just never got that vibe. Really. And everybody calls it, like, Nebraska nice or Minnesota nice. It's that upper Midwestern niceness. And they're also really down-to-earth people. And I didn't fit necessarily very well there, but Mm. they embraced me anyway. Right. And that made it this really beautiful experience. So I loved Lincoln. And then I went back and did a morning show with uh, Bob Fesco and Josh Klingler on 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City, 6 to 10 a.m. every day. And... uh, you know, it was one of those things where I think the hiring idea of bringing me in, because they had had that show solidified for nine years with right. just Bob and Josh. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, we're going to add Mike. And at that time, my last name was Welch. Uh, I had to change it with uh, with SAG because there's already a Michael Welch. He was in Twilight. Uh, for those of you Damn that don't it. know, he was, I think he played, I think his character's name was Mike. He didn't have any special powers. He was just a weird loser kid who was obsessed with Kristen Stewart. Is, so it was is like. Is he still acting? Oh, yeah. No, he's a great okay. indie okay. actor. He does, okay. in, he's okay. a huge in the indie scene. And uh, so, yeah, I had to change it to another family name, Bassano. But so if you. Like, I like Bassano. Yeah. If Bassano's you're Googling cool. like Mike Bassano and you're like, where's all this sports talk stuff? Like it's, it's, it's because my name was Welch. Wow. At that time, so if you Google that, you're gonna find all the all the stuff. Why, what what happened with the? What was that transition? You going from radio to comedy? Did it happen immediately? Or? It happened while I was at Six Ten Sports Radio in Kansas City because when they brought me in, that show had been on for nine years. They added me, and they're like, "Yeah, let's bring Welch in. Let's do it." And uh, it just didn't fit. It just didn't work. Like even listening to the show, like while I was on it, I'm like, "The show's not good." Mm-hmm. Um. I don't, there's too many voices. There's not much direction. Nobody really understands their role that well. And we kept trying to find it. And we had good days, obviously. Yeah. But overall, it just wasn't working. So after two years in 2018, my contract was about to be up. I was done. Mm-hmm. They were done. Like everyone was kind of like, okay, this was a nice idea. It didn't work. Right. And uh, you can go back to having just them two. And then you don't have to pay me all the money they're paying me. Because that's a big... I mean, yeah, was the show better? Of course the show was good. You have more opinions. You have more minds, everything. But for the amount of money they were paying me, I was like, there's no fucking way. (laughs) I'm like, they can't keep paying me to do this because I'm not... not, You don't need it. Hmm. You can do the... It's a two-person show. Having a three-person show in that slot doesn't make any fucking sense. And I was the guy who hadn't been there. So obviously, I was the easy one to go, okay. Yeah. So 
uh, as that was leading up, I started doing stand up locally in Kansas City. I uh, and and I think I remember you and Ben Nicholson talked about this about the Dunning Kruger effect. How you're really good at something when you first start it. Mm-hmm. Like I first open mic, I did I won, and oh, then shit, yeah. So then I started getting booked. Um, in like, LA? Uh, no, in Kansas oh, City, okay, right okay. away. And then because it was just big, you know, open mic contest, and I was like, shit, fucking, I'll go ahead and I'll do it. And then I won it. So that kind of launched that thing. And then my contract was up, and I was planning to move to LA probably a year before my contract was up, probably a little over a year before my contract was up because it wasn't working out. Mm-hmm. And I was going to move to LA because I had my degree in theater performance, so I already knew how to act. And uh, I was like, well, I do stand-up in Kansas City because there's a scene for that there. Mm-hmm. I'll be at a small scene, but there's still a scene. Right. So I started doing that there, came here, and then I was acting for a while. I did some stand-up in 2019. And then once the pandemic started, I, uh, I stopped mm-hmm. because it was kind of this thing. Because you haven't been doing stand-up super long, right? No, like two months. Okay, well, it was kind of this thing where when the pandemic started, if you were going to be a stand-up comedian, you couldn't stay in L.A. Because there were no shows. Everything was shut down. So everyone moved to Austin. Yeah, that's... Yeah, go to Austin because you can do shows. Mm-hmm. You can make money. You can actually do your job. Mm. So when, you, when that happened, it was a choice in my mind. It was logically, you either stay here and you act... Or you go to Austin, you lean into comedy. Right. And I decided to stay here and act. Mm-hmm. Um, hindsight being 2020, at that time, <laughs> I did not know LA was going to be in restrictions for like fucking forever. Yeah. Yeah. Hindsight being 2020 yeah. might have taken a year in Austin. Right. Just yeah. saying. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. <laughs> if I go back and do it again, take a year. Because um, <laughs> I remember it was like mid May 2020, mm-hmm. and everyone opened except for New York and Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So. I remember at that point, it was like, either you make the choice now, yeah. and I made the choice to stay. It was a long time they fucking shut everything down. Oh, yeah. Long, and, compared to everywhere else. Too. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, ridiculous. you go to places like Florida or Texas, it's like a pandemic yeah, never I, happened. We did a, like a music video in Florida in like 2021, I think, or 2022. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but, dude, it was chill as fuck out there. And this was the time where I, I couldn't even go across this hill over here because we're in the valley, but I couldn't go across the hill and like oh. go to places without them asking for a fax card. Yep, the vaccination thing yeah, was dude. big. And and even even before that, like I remember the second half of 2020, everywhere was open. And I went back to Kansas City uh, on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I went back to Kansas City to see my parents and all that stuff because I was like, dude, I got to get out of LA. I got to get out of here. And I walked into a bar. First night there, it's packed with people. Yeah, There's no social distancing. <laughs> At this time, LA is completely restricted. Mm-hmm. Can't go anywhere except the Still essential places. I had a fucking anxiety attack, bro. Did you? <laughs> Did you? I walked in. I was so like gridlocked into the LA pandemic <laughs> that I walked into that full bar and I melted down. I could not handle the stimulus of all these fucking people in front of me. Did you stay? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I yeah, stayed. Oh, and yeah. Then, but for like the first... I want to say two or three weeks of me not being here and going out, I would have like a little mini panic attack every time I walked into somewhere until I just got used to it. It was just so weird how different the pandemic was based on which state or city yeah. you happen to be in. Mm-hmm. 100%. That was wild to me. Yeah. I agree. So I definitely agree. After that was over, you know, just acting, doing that thing. And then in March, it became clear that... <laughs> the writer strike was coming and that SAG strike was coming later. 
and it was Dude, this is crazy right now. Yeah, I, I and I was told because I have I just have friends in, in in some of the bigger studios that work there that were like, yeah, it's bad, bro. They're yeah, like, right. not like I, dude, I've heard pretty fucked up stuff like this ain't this ain't gonna end for a while that's what i've heard dude that's what yeah. i've been hearing and like, dude, and uh, like they're planning it weeks ahead like i i follow a couple of like things on instagram and like they're planning these picket lines two weeks in advance and i'm like oh my god dude if you can plan this stuff like two weeks in advance that they're planning this for months dude this is gonna happen for months the studios aren't talking to them the studios don't have to that's I, what i'll say one thing i've heard that i really trust who i heard it from paramount's not even talking to the wga they're not talking to sag in oh, fact shit. they're getting people from canada producers from canada to make content and they're getting producers from korea to make content so they can keep putting things out on paramount Damn, plus dude. and they're like we'll go to canada and get some white people no one will know the fucking difference <laughs> <laughs> that's that's been the whole thing and i'm like this is so this is going to be a long time like i love acting i don't know that i can walk away from it at least mm -hmm. not right now because things Things were going well. Yeah. So it's tough to to kind of see that and understand what's coming up next. And and anyway, what are some of the things you worked on? In um, terms of acting. Well, I just did uh, I just did the Sterling Affairs uh, for FX and Disney. That was cool. Um, with um, oh my god, he scored four touchdowns in one game as Al Bundy. It's gonna drive me nuts that I can't remember as his name off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. Like Married with Children, Al Bundy. Yeah, he was um, also. God damn it. Ed O'Neill. Yeah, Ed O'Neill. I'm yeah. so glad I got it before you because I would have felt really bad if I couldn't remember that shit. <laughs> so yeah, I did that, and you know, check out my IMDb, Michael Bassano. There's, there's cool stuff there. I'll tell okay. you one, probably my favorite one to this day, which is so weird. Probably because I got to meet Lady Gaga. I was in her 911 music. Oh, actually, video. I did see that. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I was yeah, in her 911 music video, and then I did a, a YouTube reaction video of it. You should actually check that out. If you go to my that. YouTube page, Mike Bassano Comedy. I. Uh, I was in Joshua Tree that day, and I didn't know if I made it into the video because you shoot like four or five days on these things, and then yeah. they cut it down to like four minutes. Yeah, exactly, so you yeah. just might not make it. Right. So I was like, shit, man, I don't know if I'm going to be in it. And for like the first four minutes of this video, I'm not in it. <laughs> so you get to watch me like start out all optimistic and excited, and then it's happening. I'm like, I'm seeing nothing. <laughs> that we shot like i remember like i'm seeing sets i never saw yeah. and i'm like oh my god did they shoot a whole different video and they were like fuck this and then like after the four minute mark i see i see myself it's only for like one second there's a spark of an explosion above my head i play a firefighter and all that stuff and i i got so excited for yeah, it was like add that to the reel yeah right it was one of those things where it's like it's so short but it meant so fucking much to me because I love Lady Gaga. Yeah. Like I, I saw Stars Born, her version of it Wait, like fucking thirty times. I love Lady Gaga. Are you serious? I have Chromatica on vinyl. No bullshit. I have the Chromatica album on vinyl, like a, a limited edition too, like the clear one. Um <laughs> I am a massive <laughs> Lady Gaga fan. So to get that opportunity was huge for me. Yeah. And then to actually Good be for in you, it was dude. huge. So like that's still probably my favorite thing. Good for you, man. That's fucking awesome, bro. That really is awesome. That's Thanks. a cool story. I like that story. I appreciate that. I really man. like that story. We're gonna make a movie out of it. <laughs> so after all that, when March came and I saw it was gonna be we were going down the pike of a disaster. And I was like, Well, I just want to start doing comedy again. So then I started mm -hmm. going up and doing shows and stuff like that because it's really fun. You know, you don't you don't make a lot of money doing comedy, of which course, is yeah. just kind of the name of it. It's just how it works. Yeah. But 
I love getting on stage and having the microphone and just uh, even when everything's back, I'm still going to do comedy. Yeah, like that's that's something I decided a couple months ago where I was like, even when the jobs come back and the acting comes back, I'm still going to do comedy mm-hmm. because I love it. Right, dude. You have um, to love comedy because just the process is so grueling, dude. I do, and it's so like, what is it like? I don't know. Like you're putting yourself up there, you bomb, and like it's. I don't know what the word is, but it's just like that feeling of I'm a piece of shit because I can't make everyone laugh and I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting everyone's time. You know what I mean? Okay, let's tell a fun story then. Because you had uh, you had Chris Gillum on, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay, I like Chris. I'm going to preface this with that. I like uh-huh. Chris. But I have not straight up bombed a mic in months uh-huh. and I can only credit Chris Gillum with that. Because I was at NoHo Fourth Wall and this is, I don't remember how long ago. But I went up, it was like day after a show, because I always go no-ho fourth wall after a show, because I want to, it's a hard room. It is a hard room. And it kind of brings me back down from, because you you do a show, there's a crowd, it's like actual people, they're so excited, everybody's laughing, you feel amazing. Yeah. So I need to go to no, yeah, exactly, I need to go to no-ho fourth wall the next day and remember that I suck. (laughs) So anyway, I go up and I do an improv mic that was just... It wasn't good. I made a lot of outdated references and stuff, and I actually I listened back to the recording of it. And before I sat down, because I had my phone on the on my chair, and, uh-huh. and before I sat down, you could, you hear me go, "That fucking sucked," <laughs> like under my breath. <laughs> then Chris Killam goes up next, and he annihilated my set for like four minutes. Like, like he spent. It was that bad. Your shit was that bad. It wasn't like horrible but it was easy enough to make fun of that I see. he just I see. shredded it and he it was so funny yeah like that's what sucked and it's a funny guy it also sucks when you like know already that it was bad yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then someone goes up there and, just and they fucking <laughs> they kill it dude. it's like oh you're already set let me take your soul real quick so that made me like so upset that I, I mean, it rattled me. It's hard to rattle me. I don't really get rattled. Yeah. But that one rattled me. And uh, now, like, I warm up before I go up there. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, even for an improv mic, I'll take 15 minutes and get random su- suggestions off the off the internet and just go. No kidding. So, so that when what... I get up there, I'm, I'm warm and I don't feel like that, that coldness because I was like, I never want that feeling <laughs> of Chris Gillum shitting on myself <laughs> hilariously for four minutes yeah. ever again. So you... That's what you do before some of these improv mics? You'll kind yeah, of do that do for a warm-up? Yeah, for a warm-up, I'll take 10 to 15 minutes, just put topics. I have, I have a top, Let's go to online. There's like 100 topic generator mm-hmm. websites. Just go to one of those, boom, topic. Then I'll riff on it just in my apartment and no see way. if I can make it funny, at least funny no to kidding. me. Okay. Yeah, and then that's that's kind of like that's when I started doing that because I just never wanted that. That's why I love failure. Mm-hmm. Like as you brought up with going to mics and stuff, mm-hmm. I love failure yeah. because nothing makes me want to get better more than being embarrassed. Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm hard-headed with things, you know what I mean? So that's why I think, like, when especially when I start off with things, I'm not good at them at all, mm-hmm. but I'm just so fucking hard-headed where I just got to keep doing it and doing it and doing it to where I get like, a place where it's just like, okay, I'm, like, I'm there. Um, yeah. I want to go back to you, like, that transition from radio to comedy because mm-hmm. you, you being so comfortable with the mic and your first couple times doing stand-up is obviously something most of a lot of people aren't comfortable with you know what i mean like that's that's i'm still struggling with it i want to talk about like um how that like how radio really helped you with comedy and stuff like that it helped me in the sense that when things go poorly like if i'm doing a show and let's say the first few jokes don't really work 
I'll throw the material away. Hmm. And then we're just talking. Hmm. And I have that ability because I did it for over eight years every day for at least three hours a day, if not four. So doing that and then, you know, you're doing pregame shows and postgame shows on the weekends. Like it's a lot of talking. It's just a lot of talking. And that gave me the ability, like if things aren't going well, throw it out. Yeah. And then we'll revamp. We'll try to find something else, try to look for a topic that people are interested in, because that's that's I think the biggest reason people bomb is the stuff they're talking about, especially if it's personal. Sometimes people just don't care. Right. And if that happens, then I start going, Joe Biden, easy yeah, one. Yeah. You know, go, Trump, <laughs> easy one. Like, just okay, start going okay. like start going for topics, and then I'll just find it, and then I'm just talking. And eventually I'll work some kind of punchline in there on the fly, and it'll get laughs, but it'll get the crowd back on my side. So that's the one huge upside that I've found from radio to comedy is that that ability to just throw the script out and just go, okay, then I'll just talk because this is what I do. Dude, that's amazing. That, that is that's amazing a quality huge, to have. Yeah, that was the huge help. Like that, an advantage almost. Mm-hmm, definitely. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely an advantage. I mean, it's it's an earned advantage after eight years of doing shows, but, you know, that's that's what comes with experience, you know? So much of learning stand-up and learning comedy or learning anything is just time. Yeah. So to have that as a backdrop made the transition to comedy and the amount of time that it took for me to be decent like not necessarily good, but decent. Mm-hmm. That shortened that amount of time. How long have you been doing it? Uh, like comedy, like hardcore. Like you, you March, March. Uh, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. This, this year. Oh no way. Yeah, because okay. that's when the um, that's when because I had done it before and I did it in 2019 a little bit. But once I saw that strike coming, I was like, well, I don't want to just like do the side job and sit around and like wait. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate the people that go out and they pick it and all that mm-hmm. stuff. I think it's amazing. And I've, I've been out there, too, not that much because I am focused on comedy, but I really appreciate those people. I just can't. I hate sitting there asking for some shitbag corporation to help me. Yeah, 100%. When it's like, like, honest, like, I could kick the shit out of Bob Iger. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to ask Bob Iger for help. That's fucking stupid. <laughs> Like it's it's annoying to me that that's the structure. Yeah, he won't even listen anyway. It's just annoying that that's the structure of the world that we're in. Yeah, that it's like oh we have to sit there and like be angry that they're not giving us the fair wage when in reality it's like why don't we just go take it? Yeah, I feel that way. Revolution. I really feel that way. Revolution. Like I felt like we We should have learned from Black Lives Matter. No one cares about your signs. Throw a fucking Molotov cocktail at Disney. Let it blow up and start a fire all over the place. Have Mickey Mouse run away scared because he's on fire, and then we're gonna get some shit done. That's how I feel. I'm I'm on one today. We're we're (laughs) killing Mickey here. Let's not go after Mickey. It's not Mickey's fault. Put Bob Iger in the Mickey suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bob that. Iger, but not Mickey. We need Mickey for sponsorships <laughs> later. Sponsorship money. Oh, we don't want to upset no, no, Disney. No. Oh no, heaven forbid <laughs> we don't get that Disney money. They ain't giving it to anybody anyway, man. Um, that's what bothers me though about like the current structure of society and also comedy too. I mean, I've seen the comedies that come out on these networks and on these studios. Like they suck. Mm. I feel like I see funnier people in the open mic scene of Los Angeles in droves right. than I see on television. Yeah. Yeah. I could pick out 15 people that probably do shows for free 
that should be on television. Yeah. And are better than a lot of the Netflix special people that I see. Mm-hmm. I don't want to call anybody out like personally, like, why is this person famous or anything right. like that? But but as a whole. As a whole, it feels like the comedy that's being sold right now is so watered down. It has nothing to say. Yeah. There's a list of words you can't say. There's a right, list yeah. of topics you can't talk about. And it's like, excuse me. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah, 100%, dude. I had that moment today. I'm listening to the radio. Don't remember the station, and frankly, it's probably a good thing. <laughs> but the person on the station was keying up this this old song called Nookie by Limp Biscuit. Yeah, dude. It was one of the rock yeah. stations. Fuck yeah, fuck right? Fuck yeah. I'm going to fucking play it over this conversation. Dude. Hells yeah. <laughs> and, and she was like, well, the 90s were a time where you could say things like Nookie because it's just, it's not okay. And I'm like, who the fuck made you queen of who gets to say did? what? That's what bothers me. It's like, where is this moral fiber suddenly coming from? Mm-hmm. I have a theory. I want to bring it out real quick. Mm-hmm. I have a theory that in America, the backbone of the morality in America for years, decades, probably even centuries, was Catholicism. And then in the mid-2000s, spotlight happened in Boston, and yeah, we yeah. found out that the Catholic Church was just pumping out pedophiles. And even when that movie came out, so people were still denying it. Yeah. How wild is that? It's unbelievable. Literally. Like, and Spotlight put that out on, on the paper in like 2005, and they denied it for like the next 15 years. Until the movie came out, and then they're like, yeah, all right, you caught us. Yeah. No shit. No shit, Father it. Bob. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> and they were hiding it so much. So anyway, when that, when that happened, the moral fiber of America just disintegrated mm-hmm. because the thing that built it ended up being a, a so true, giant actually. ring yeah. of pedophiles. Yeah. So now what we have is this new reindoctrination from the government and from the media and from the people who run this country, the elite, of what people have to be and mm-hmm. how they have to be. Mm-hmm. And it's abide for control, just mm-hmm. like it was when Catholicism did mm-hmm. it. It's abide for control. So as they're doing this, I always stop and I'm like, who are you? Like, mm-hmm. Who the fuck is is this person to yeah. say no? You can't be this way. Hundred percent. And 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 the sensitivity that we're catering to, mm-hmm. I think, is a is is a manipulation mm-hmm. tactic to make people weak. And same here. I think we need to bring back bullying, dude. We need a fucking little bit, a little bit, a little, little bit, a little, little bit, not a lot of bit, not a lot of bit, but a little. Well, here's little here's the problem. I would love for someone who is, let's call them woke, right? Mm-hmm. Fuck it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would love for someone who is woke to waltz over to Africa, find a child soldier, and explain to them how fucking damaging it is to their emotional well-being when somebody calls them by the wrong pronoun. I would pay everything in my bank account to watch that happen. Dude, those kids are savages out there, man. Well, have you seen Beast of No Nation? I have not. Dude, it's a fucking, Kerry Fu- Joji Fukunaga, he did like season one of True Detective. Mm-hmm. Um, but dude... It's basically just that. It's it's how kids get into the guerrilla, guerrilla warfare. They become mil- militias and they do fucking. Well, usually drugs. what happens? They get fucking raped. They're fucking yeah. killing people to, for initiation and shit. Usually, what happens is they come into your village and they make you kill your family. Yeah, and dude. then they take you and make you a soldier. Forgot about that. Other, Forgot yeah. about small detail. Yeah, they small take you detail. to other villages and have you kill other people, and then they recruit the other kids and have them kill their families as initiation. Mm-hmm. That's fucking horrible. It's crazy, dude. And it's happening right now. As we speak. And I got to hear about how someone called you by the wrong pronoun? Yeah, dude. Are you out of your fucking mind? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's where we are. And that's what comedy is missing right now is yeah. people aren't able to see the forest for the trees or they aren't allowed to talk about right. seeing the forest for the trees. I feel like the, the comedian community is a lot 
will, more willing to talk about that stuff than Hollywood is, to be honest with you. Oh, without question. Without question. Oh, um, I... Uh, Which it, it, I have no experience, but... You know. well, 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 here's the thing. In co- you gotta lie. That's you what it is. You, you, you gotta lie. When you're on set, when you're dealing with these people, you, you gotta, gotta lie. You gotta lie. I think I heard... I think it was Jeff Dye. He's a comedian. He was talking mm-hmm. about this because he lives here, and he was mm-hmm. like, dude... You just you just lie. People say, "Oh, this is a problem." You go, "Absolutely, it is." They go, "Hey, men can get pregnant." Duh. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. That's exactly what he said. Yeah, it was like, "Duh, of course, men can get pregnant." You can it was breastfeed too. Duh. Yeah, of course. It's 2023. <laughs> yeah. Gender is not real. Yeah. Like that's how you have to behave in those situations, yeah. and that's the world that they want. Yeah. Now, as frustrating as that is, if you really appreciate the art, you suck it up. Yeah. You suck it you up, do. and you do what you're told. You do, yeah. And uh, it sucks. Yeah, and I think sometimes I think how much happier I would be if I was just doing community theater somewhere. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, because when the money gets involved, dude, and all the bullshit gets involved, it just I don't know. I don't know. One, Sucks it dry, man. You find me in a small town doing community theater, you know I've decided to say fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> it might happen. I, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, it. You could have a worse life. You could do a lot worse than dinner theater. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you that My right buddy now. tells me all the time he's an actor. He's a uh, he tells me all the time he just wants to fucking sell everything, move to a small town in Mexico, and just retire because he's so sick of it. It happens, man. You get frustrated with it, but then it's interesting. About the time that I say "fuck it," I don't care anymore. I land something big. Yeah, <laughs> it's oh, and, and I'm sure that's connected too. Yeah. Like the time I'm by the time I'm over the bullshit, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, whatever. I'm just gonna go in there in the audition room, and I'm just gonna tell them to go fuck themselves, do whatever I want, and then they give me the role. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I've no longer am trying to please them. Yeah, that's I, the big goal. Isn't that the, the weird how that weird how Jesus how weird the how that happens? Yeah. Oh, dude. When you just stop caring, fucking it, the thing that you wanted the most, it just fucking drops onto your lap. It's crazy because we're all we're all Jojo. We're all Jojo the boy with the new rabbit that he just hugs yeah. too hard until he <laughs> suffocates the shit out of it. That's who we are. And and the second that I get to that, I call it the fuck it point mm-hmm. where it's like, fuck it, guns blazing, we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. And then you always get the best results because you're the most authentic. You're the most yourself. You're not people pleasing. You're not trying to give them what you think they want. Even when you'd go on in comedy, or and that's that's a that's a universal thing. Could be broadcasting, could be comedy, could be acting, probably could be anything. Hmm. You know, being a lawyer, or a business person. Right. When you stop trying to go, I'm gonna be the way that I think they want me to be. That's when the authentic self can come out, and that's where you get gold. Fucking dropping knowledge, bro. I'm fucking <laughs> just mind blown right now. I didn't have anything to say. I appreciate it. What that, the fuck, dude? So like, how do you? That's crazy. Yeah, I think that's what happened to me. My first open mic, yeah. my very first open mic, I was the day before my birthday. I got kind of fucked up. I'm not gonna lie, but nice. Um, I went up there with a bit, thought it was gonna be funny, and obviously m- midway through, I was just like, "Fuck it!" And I just started acting like myself, and I haven't gotten laughs like that since then. Awesome. How do, uh, how do you get? How do you get there? How do you get to that point? Especially you, someone who's been yeah. That's I mean, it, time, man. dude, and 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 it goes in in ebbs and flows. Because there are there are days that I go up and I'm so authentic and I'm so real and I connect mm-hmm. and people are laughing and it's amazing, and then there are other days where I'm just not, and I try but I just can't get there. Yeah. And there's, there's still this like a layer of fakeness that I can't. I hate quite that when it happens, dude. Fucking break. I down. fucking hate when that happens. I hate it too. And I and I'm, I'm everyone not, can see it. Yeah, everyone can see it. And they can feel it yeah, too. Yeah. And it makes them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're not laughing. That's why they're not responding well. Because when someone with you is being fake, 
you feel that's true. you got to pull back. That's so true. Because you're like, life, dude, right? yeah, yeah, right? Like, if we're sitting right here, and I was like, hey, what's going on, Jesse? We're going to hell. Like, like. <laughs> Fucking, my pronouns are. <laughs> yeah. Am I, am I funny yet? Like, <laughs> if we sat here and did that, bro, it would be like, it would be so cringe to watch. Like, it's so difficult. But sometimes, if I'm having like a rough day or something, or I'm not feeling good, I'll go up. And I'll do not exactly that, but something similar to where mm-hmm. I'm kind of performing. Yeah. Instead of just yeah, yeah. being myself. And that, and again, it doesn't matter what you do, that is a huge detriment. Um, before we started, I don't know if we even got it on fucking camera or recorded, but mm-hmm. you were talking about, I don't know, the comedian telling you to hone in on one thing. Oh, yeah. I don't think yeah. we were recording. Yeah, yeah. I got great, uh, great advice from a guy named Carl Spitz, who mm-hmm. used to be in the L.A. scene. He's not here anymore. I don't know where he went, but big guys, like six, seven, over 300 oh, pounds, played uh, offensive line at Florida Atlantic. And we became friends in 2019 when I started doing some comedy. He's actually he helped me with my reel. He's one of the first people I met in L.A. And I was telling him, like, I don't know what kind of point of view. I should go for like mm-hmm. where wh- where are people going to connect? What's going to happen? He goes, well, don't do that. Just try to be funny, and then keep going up and keep trying to be funny. And then the audience will tell you what your niche is. They'll tell you what style or what point of view works for you. And you find that out through just laughs, through the interaction of what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, and not even not necessarily even laughs, eyes. Oh, when you get on stage, especially at an open mic, because open mics are hard. Because a lot of times you're not going to get laughs. Yeah, true. like. <laughs> I always remember when Miranda Meadows would sit in the corner on her laptop mm-hmm. and she'd be working. I'd always look when I said something to see if she'd be looking. Because if she's looking at me and not looking true. at her computer, I'm not getting a laugh. I know that. Yeah. But if I can get the that's eyes, true. Yeah, that's then it's true. like, okay, then it's at least compelling. Right. And now we have something. Especially with someone like her. She's been doing it for five years, dude. Yeah. So, so when you get somebody that's that's been doing it for a while and they're kind of over the open mic scene yeah, and they're yeah. sitting there like, fuck it, I don't even fucking care. <laughs> yeah. Which is fine, by the way. And but that's I, I identify those people. And if I can get them to just kind of look up and be connected, it's like okay, then we have something. That's very interesting. Okay. Yeah. And over time, I learned over the last few months that when I talk about relationships and mine, which are terrible, because I've just I don't see red flags. When somebody does something that's a red flag, I don't I don't even notice it. I just keep driving on through. I don't like pay what? attention. Like what? <laughs> Uh, I gotta hear oblivious you are to these things because I fucking see all of them, bro. I can see them a mile away. Um, let's see. Person I've been somewhat seeing lately is uh, she's been institutionalized twice, <laughs> and I don't. She's awesome though, so I'm like, who cares? And then there are so many other things. Like I remember I was uh, I was dating someone and she would lie constantly, and I didn't understand why that was a problem. <laughs> I didn't get it. I was like, huh, she's got a problem with the truth. And I just keep going. A lot of people do. So a then again, it the truth. gets to a catastrophic level before I that's realize that something's happening. So that's why I named my podcast Pod- Catastrophic Love. Because it's about the stories that are just a total disaster <laughs> in our relationships. And I have more of them than everybody. Yeah. And once I realized that when I would tell those stories, mm-hmm. people would get the most engaged. Even if it didn't necessarily get the most laughs, they'd be the most engaged. And they'd be like, oh, my God, is this serious? I like the clone of Willy one. 
<laughs> that that one is my favorite, dude. That is a hilarious story. That is I can tell that story. story. It's a true story, dude. It's a hilarious. Story, um, dude. I was dating someone long distance, and she was like, "We should do a clone of Willie." And of course, I had no idea what the fuck that meant. I'm like, "Clone of Willie? Like, is that like a what is it?" You go to a sex shop, and they sell them in every sex shop. They sell them online. Some on Amazon, and it's this tube, and the tube is a uh, the silicone, and you are erect. And you put your dick in the silicone tube. It's a little uncomfortable, but it's fine. And there's prep work that goes into the silicone and everything. And then you pull it out. And prep then you work to get the dick hard, too, I guess, right? <laughs> Viagra works, bro. It just does. <laughs> it just does. Viagra works. We can get it. The successful failure brought it's to you by Viagra. It's extremely effective. <laughs> so <laughs> it also gives you a little extra power, too. And if you're going to make like, if you're gonna make a dildo... Yeah. You don't want to be in your seat. That's game. very true. You know what I mean? That's very like, true. Yeah. This is something she might show her friends. Yeah, like this is going to be a problem. That's like, very true, dude. Yeah. If you're going to have it out I didn't there, even think about that. I had to bring the A game. That's a good one to bring up. <laughs> yeah. My short term friends. Uh, there we go. You know what? That's something I should add to the bit. Yeah, I hadn't thought yeah, of that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I should add that's that in. Good. Um, and but another the, one would be who's clone of Willie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just immediately yeah. get possessive yeah. and like, what are you talking about, clone of Willie? Who's Willie? The fuck is Willie? The fuck is this? So the funniest thing, though, is when we broke up, it ended miserably. Um, yeah, it was my fault. <laughs> I'm it was sure my honest. fault. Uh, you know it was your fault. You know. Yeah, well, you know, you date two different girls in two different cities. You think there's no way they're going to find out about each other. There's no well, how way. far away were they? Three hours. That's not far enough, dude. I know, but they were drivable. So I could, like, spend a weekend over there. It's like, it's not that bad. It's a three-hour drive. It's simple. <laughs> Um, so they found out about each other and then she sent me a text message saying that it said your dick is in a gas station trash can with a middle finger emoji. And then she sent me a picture of the dildo, the clone of Willie sitting in a gas station trash can. And I swear to God, I wasn't mad. I wasn't. I was like, God, I love that girl. I really do. I love toxicity. And I just do. I can't help myself. And it's like, why don't you why don't you go? I've been to therapy. I went to therapy for 15 years. I've read all the self-help books. Here I am. So I loved it because it's like she made such a point that like I'm gonna put this in a gas station trash can so that you know that someday there's gonna be a homeless guy that finds your fucking dick. Because if she just put it in her trash, not good enough. She had to drive to a gas station, a place where she knows someone's rummaging through this. <laughs> Tossed the clone of Willie in there. And I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> that oh. was hilarious, dude. And it's a thing. It's a bit that's worked. It only works like half the time. Because I think most people, like I, I always look out. This happened yesterday when I did mm-hmm. it. I looked out in the crowd and I saw like half of them are just sitting there thinking about clone of Willie? Like they don't un- they don't know what it is. Oh. Like when people don't know what clone of Willie is, it's it's there's a saying in broadcasting, and I think it's true in comedy too. It's easier for people to tune it out than to figure it out. So if you bring up something, people don't really know what it is. They kind of just don't give a shit. Or they're sitting there thinking about, like, or they're sitting there like, so how did he get his dick into that thing? (laughs) And now they're not paying attention. So that's that's why it's hard. I like that saying. Yeah, it's a good saying. It's it's helpful. And it's why when you watch, like, TV news or anything, there's so many resets and there's little headlines underneath Mm -hmm. and everything else. So that when you turn on the TV, we know what you're talking about. Because if I had to sit there and wait for half a minute or two minutes to figure out what they're saying, click it off. 
I didn't know that. In news, there's resets. So it's like a delay. There's a delay. There's a delay, and they also reset the topic consistently. Like if you're on the radio, not every two and a half minutes, you got to reset the topic, reset who you are, you know, reset all those things. And just kind of let so that new audience members don't get confused because they're coming and going. So there's a whole different structure than podcasts when it comes to live broadcast because wow. you have audience members coming in and out. And I used to do an afternoon show and morning show, which that's drive time. So that's people in their car going to work or coming home from work. Uh-huh. And when you're doing that, you have to reset a lot because people are getting in their car, they're getting out of their car. So it's it's important to make sure they know what's happening. That's and literally I think, like just riffing, like improv almost, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, that's pretty much... Like, I even when I do... When I did shows, my rundown, like four-hour show, my rundown would be two pages, maybe. And what's the rundown give you, basically? like just Structure of exactly what we're going to talk about in each uh, time block. So I have the topic, which is just one line. And then the rest of it is just stuff I've already thought about. And then I'll just click and go. Damn, dude. Yeah. That's intimidating, though, right? For four fucking hours? It was at first. <laughs> my first... Uh, oh, I forgot about this until right now. I'm glad you said that, Jesse. Yeah, Thank of you. Of course, dude. This is what I'm here for. I love it. No, before my first show at ESPN South Dakota, four minutes before, I puked my guts <laughs> out, man. It was my first commercial radio show where it was like an ESPN station. It's corporate. Like, it matters now. Right, like, it's not yeah. just some... Small Some radio Aberdeen, station, South Dakota bullshit. Well, no, it wasn't sure, Aberdeen. No, it wasn't Aberdeen. Oh, it was South Aberdeen. Yeah, yeah. Bullshit. ESPN South Dakota is in Aberdeen. God damn. I think they've they've changed it now. Now I think it's Fox. But at the time when I was there, it was ESPN. And damn, good for them. Yeah, and that was my first show that wasn't like as a college student. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I was yeah. getting paid salary. Like I was making legitimate money, and now I got to go prove it. Right. And that's terrifying because you send out all your tapes, just like with stand up or whatever. You send out your clips, uh-huh. like same thing in broadcasting. You send out your tapes, you send out your clips, and then they go, "Okay, we like this guy." They interview you, and then they they hire you, and they, they give you a show. But then when you get there, and it's time, the lights are on. It's intimidating. I was yeah, twenty two yeah. years old. I was terrified. So I, I did. I puked my guts yeah. out right before that show. I'd be the same way. I used to do jujitsu. Oh, that yeah? was the same fucking way, dude. I would get fucking the fever the night before because I was so fucking... It was so intense because you're going in there and someone's trying to break off your limbs, dude, put you to sleep, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So, and I'm not like... I'll, at the end of the day, I'll fight if I have to, but I'm, I'm more of a lover than a fighter. I don't like getting hit oh, yeah. in the face. I don't like hitting people in the face. It's a weird feeling, dude. Punching someone in the face is a very weird feeling, bro. Is it? It's awful. I love it. It's <laughs> Jesus Christ, I dude! Fucking I fucking hate it. Dude. Love it. No, I can't do it, bro. Oh man, I've boxed. It. Uh, I do body shots. I'll get to do body shots all oh, day. Yeah? But going to the face, I'll I'll literally stop, dude. Oh no I just, shit. Yeah, like it, every punch, I'll stop myself. Good I, for you. Yeah, I I don't know what it is, dude. Justin Tugas, good person. I don't know what it good is. Good person. Man. Me, yeah. I'm a psycho. I'm a psycho. <laughs> but for some reason, punching people in the face and getting punched in the face is not my jam. I love the competition aspect. Yeah, I really yeah, do. Yeah, and like, and like, I love going up against people who would want to kill me. Yeah, like that's I love that shit. Like, I there's I no was, better way to see who's a fucking alpha, dude. You oh know yeah, what I mean, like fucking, especially those jujitsu tournaments, be crazy. Dude. So much testosterone going. Oh yeah. There. Oh god. Yeah, the one on one sports especially. Yeah, hundred percent. Because like I played basketball, or I play basketball like two three times a week, uh-huh. and uh, yeah yeah, and you get into you get into it like, like especially when you're bigger, mm-hmm. and I'm you yeah, know I'm, I'm true, six yeah. three and yeah. uh, you know, you're a little bigger. And then you get other guys that are bigger, and they want to be the big one. Yeah. So then yeah. it start it, it happens. You get mm-hmm. after it, and you know people are throwing elbows and stuff. And even today, I got in a little scuffle. Um, 
regular was, Friday morning. He was with being Mike a Masano. pussy. He was, he was. He was being a pussy. Like he got he got a little hit on the arm. Turned around, like, hit me on there. I'm like, dude, shut the fuck. And then and then it. Became That's when a thing. it gets fucking annoying. Was when people start saying it's street ball, bro. Like you just got to fucking do your thing. It's dude. always the big guys that are the biggest yeah? fucking babies. Yeah. I haven't done it in a while. They're the biggest fucking babies. All the big guys that go out and play. It's because like, the little guys will go in. They'll take we're contact. Used to it, yeah, we're yeah. used to it, man. We're yeah. used to getting bullied. So we're just like, all right, we'll Hell just yeah. run faster than you, bitch. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, run faster. They'll do the little move yeah, to the yeah. hole. They'll take contact, absorb the contact, and I'm hit the bucket. I'm a baseline guy. I'll just keep going back and forth until you can give me the ball, and I'll shoot the three, dude. That's yeah. all I do. And when you play... And when you play uh, street ball is always the guys with the who are who are a little too muscly. Where you're like, mm, <laughs> how many steroids are you taking? Like when you start getting that, those guys are always the ones where like if you touch them, even they get they're like, don't touch me, bro. Don't t-. And, and they're the weakest like, dudes, especially if you're not a fight, they always tend to be the weakest dudes. Always the guys yeah. who are the biggest, weakest dudes, dude. Yeah, technique so will always get them. That's always an interesting thing to me because I I don't know I see that. Just to kind of bring it back to comedy, I see mm-hmm. that alpha kind of thing happen too a lot in comedy. Yeah, I'm starting to see a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. I try to just keep out of it, dude. I'm, tr- I'm not even trying to fucking have ev- of any like visuals or anything about it, just because I don't know. I've been do I've done so many stuff, dude, where it's just always the same shit. That's what it always boils down to. And for this thing, I'm just want to take everything, learn, and fucking just. Have a good time with it, man. Like I, I, I did film, and I was just too crazy about it. I got too psychotic about it. Just fucking. What kind of film? Uh, I did short films and stuff like that. I've got a feature that. Um, you ever seen the movie uh, Peanut Butter Falcon with Shia LaBeouf? Love Peanut Butter Falcon. So one, Tyler Nielsen directed that. Yeah. So fucking one of the production companies who produced it got my a hold of one of my scripts and loved it. But because of how well they're doing, they want, they're they're looking for movies with uh with just higher concepts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mine's uh, my story is about a. <clears throat> An elderly couple who escapes a care home to have one last night out in Las Vegas. That's fucking awesome. That's because that's what I used to do too. I used to work at a care home, so I, you know, write what you know. You know dude, what I mean? Dude, that's a great concept. Yeah, I it's love dude, that. it's amazing. And well, I mean, I'm, I'm saying it's amazing, but I, I think it's great. I think it's I've like got a fantastic them. concept, like because I haven't seen anything like it, mm-hmm. and it would be really compelling. That's what I did. That's the note I got. So I actually went to, and this is why I got out of film. This is one of the main reasons. I went to a film festival last year to pitch it, mm-hmm. and one of the it, it's a pretty big film festival. Dude. There was a which one was it? Cordillera, Cordillera um, Film Festival up in Reno. Yes. Okay, yeah. Exactly so, dude, they that, take yeah. care of their filmmakers, man. They put mm-hmm. you up. They do great stuff. But and they're people who are you pitch to. They're producers. Like there was a producer for Jurassic World there, a chairman for the AMC or ex-chairman for AMC, basically the programmer. But I pitched it to them, and the guy from AMC was like, "Dude, this is like a hundred million dollar movie. If you make this the right way, this is how much is it." Like he was like, "If I was working at the theater, I would bring this movie in, and you'd make that much. Believe me." Yeah. And they. And I had fucking actors attached to it. I was on like the twelfth fucking draft, and nothing happened, dude. They picked some other story that I don't even think the filmmaker. He didn't even have a script. After hearing that, and after hearing that, you would think that that's where they would want to go. Is you want to make a movie that's going to make you money back? Yeah. Would you like a hundred million dollars? Yeah. And it's that dude that the dude that you brought in that said that. You know what I mean? And that kind of just like. I would, put a damper on things. I would I would tell you and implore you to not get discouraged. Yeah. Because I know in those situations it's so hard not to get discouraged. It's hard, dude. It's really hard. And like now I have I don't even have any ambition to be I on know. set, dude. And it sucks because dude, that's what I love doing. Even as a PA, being on set was fucking amazing to me. That's and like awesome. now I'm just fuck this, dude. Like the whole you know, what coming back after COVID and how it was after COVID with the politics and how people were treating each other, that was awful, man. It really was. And like what you were saying, just lying on set, having to lie on set, because if really you hard. affiliate yourself with one person, you're automatically a racist. 
You know what I mean? And it's just like, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> or or misogynist or whatever. Yeah, exactly. and, I, yeah. and I never got like accused of being that way and in any capacity, but it's it brings this atmosphere of tightness. Yes. Yeah. And you know where and really judgment. great creativity doesn't come mm-hmm. from? Mm-hmm. Tightness and judgment. Exactly. Like if you want to create exactly. something brilliant, like have you seen Oppenheimer? Uh, no, not yet. I, Oppenheimer's amazing. And part of that is because Christopher Nolan is very good about making sure his focus is the art. Mm-hmm. All the other stuff, fuck it. Mm-hmm. The mm. focus is the art. And when that's the focus, you can create something magical. Mm-hmm. But if the focus is we want to make sure everybody's comfortable, to, be, to make great art, you have to be uncomfortable. Right, you can't exactly. Just yes, sit in yes. your little comfort zone yeah. and wonder why nothing's fucking working yeah, for you. Yeah. Nothing's working for you because you aren't pushing yourself out there. You aren't trying something different. You aren't doing the thing that scares the hell out of you. Right. And more and more, we're telling people, young filmmakers, kids, don't do things that scare you. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus, people call their dogs now more than we were called as kids. It's nuts. And it's I'm wild, like, dude. And I'm like, this this isn't pushing anyone to greatness. No. It's it's dumbing us down, dude. It's not only dumbing us down. It is dumbing us down for sure, but it's also making us lazy. Yes, hundred percent, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And I'm and I'm sorry, dude, because I know I have not gotten that far on a script as far as you did, mm-hmm. but I know how hard it is to get one made. Yeah. I know how hard it is to get funding. Mm-hmm. How hard it is all that that stretch of time is so difficult, and mm-hmm. there's so many times. Where you have these concepts and these scripts that are incredible. And then people are like, yeah, let's do it. And it just doesn't happen. Right. And I, I'm sorry. I I would tell you to keep going, but I understand why it's so difficult and why it's so frustrating. Yeah. To be honest with you, I think it's going to be over. Like all this, what's going on right now in like fucking maybe five, maybe 10 years. Maybe not that long. I think it'll be over. I think people are sick of it now. Like how how like Hollywood has become and all this bullshit. So like Hollywood? Yeah. I like think, as a whole? Oh, no, not over, but like. All the I like the what the, they're trying to push, you yeah. Know what I mean that that'll all be over. Well, Hollywood's always been ultra liberal though. Like it always has. Yeah. It's yeah. Oh yeah. Going back to the seventies and all that stuff with Brando and the Oscars and that's everything. Yeah, it's always true. been it's always been an ultra liberal place. But it never came. It, there was never a time more like now where anyone with an idea that is different mm-hmm. or even outside the box a little bit mm-hmm. is destroyed. Right. If yeah. it's not just this formulaic, like, oh, well, we have a thing where a they meets a her, and then yeah. they get together, and they <laughs> yeah. have this yeah. blossoming romance, yeah. and we show 30 sex scenes of it. like, and, and I got frustrated with Bros. Did you see the movie Bros? No, I didn't see um, that, I no. got frustrated with it because they, they called people who didn't watch it homophobic. I, I, yeah, I heard about that. I watched it, and it was fine, mm-hmm. but it was a f- decent comedy movie that had loads of gay sex. And while I enjoyed the movie, I'm like, did you think you were going to make a fuckload of money out of this? <laughs> Same thing with Disney in that movie Turning Red. Did you see Turning Red? I've heard, That was the Asian the panda one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah where yeah, the yeah, girl yeah, gets yeah. her period and turns into yeah, a raging right, yeah. red panda. That's right, yeah. Now, just like bros, I saw this movie and I enjoyed the movie. Mm-hmm. But I had to ask myself, who's this for? And that's why it bombed. Yeah. Because you have to ask yourself, what audience are we catering to with all this? Mm-hmm. Like, Turning Red. Okay, so it's a set in the mid-2000s. Okay. It's set in the mid-2000s, and it's about a girl getting her period, turning into a red panda, and then she wreaks havoc, and mm-hmm. then has a bunch of fun, and all this stuff. And it's a really funny movie. It's a really good movie. I loved it, because I grew up in the time that it's mm-hmm. referencing. 
kids today, like an eight-year-old, doesn't understand what a what she's on her period and now yeah, she turns to, that's true they don't that's get very it very true so you so kids aren't even into this movie that's very true so like people like me loved it but i i can't help but go did you think you were gonna make money like that's, that's why true. it gets frustrating me when i hear stories like yours when it's like oh we can make a hundred million dollars on that so let's not do it yeah <laughs> dude that's a as soon as i did I, I was like when after that happened i was still like okay i'm gonna keep doing it but Dude, it was, I was not even fucking motivated. Looking back on it now, this happened a year ago. Mm-hmm. And looking back on it now, I was from that point on, I was not motivated. And it just kind of sucked that I was just kind of in this really like, what is it in an interstellar? You're just in like the, this little space where you just don't know what's going on. You're in, like the, you're fucking, in the void? The void, yeah. The yeah. Void. I was in the void. Dude, you're in the void. I had no idea what was going on. That's tough, man. Because you, you, you put so much into it. Oh, dude. Yeah. It was yeah. insane how much. It's wild. I mean, I'm sure... There are stories like this and people who spend more years writing scripts, you know what I mean? But that oh, was absolutely. just, yeah. it was it just sucked. Did you ever watch the movie uh, Tick, Tick, Boom? With yeah, Garfield? I loved it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, yeah. Spent eight years. Yeah, man. Eight years on that musical. I watched that movie or fucking to get my hopes up oh, for yeah? a little bit at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Good. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, I love that Didn't movie. Didn't work. But, no. <laughs> but he spent eight years trying to get that uh, futuristic mm-hmm. play made on Broadway. Yeah. Didn't happen. Yeah. And that then was he it. he got fucking AIDS. <laughs> Yes, he did. <laughs> Wait, no, he didn't get AIDS. It wasn't it? It wasn't AIDS. No, it. no, no. His Damn best it. friend Michael got AIDS, but oh, John, that's right away. Yeah, John actually right. died. Which funny thing, but Mike, well, not funny, but interesting. Michael, the guy that got AIDS, he's still alive. He actually did a rendition what? of "Tick Tick Boom" off Broadway because he it was early '90s, so it was when the medication started to become no available. How did the dude die? Jonathan Larson died of an aneurysm randomly. The oh. night before Rent opened. That's what it was. The, yeah, that's, the, what it was. The, that's what it was. That's even funnier, the though. That's musical that changed the fucking world, that changed musicals and theater as a whole, that finally broke Broadway out of their bullshit, and he died the night before it opened. Do you think it did well, though, because of his death? That's an interesting right? question. Maybe it's because I've never seen it. I've, Maybe I've, it's not. I've seen it. It's fantastic. Yeah. But, but there's a lot of fantastic stuff that just doesn't get doesn't get big. Right. So you have death. to wonder. Like I I think about that all the time, bro. Nipsey Hussle. Right. When was he ever on the radio? Exactly, dude. Yeah. Exactly. Like his songs are phenomenal. <laughs> They're great. And then suddenly he dies. Juice World. That's true too. I remember I remember hearing yeah. "Come and Go" by Juice World and Marshmallow on the radio like a month after he died, and it's an awesome song. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yo. Why do we not play these before these people are fucking dead? Why do we have to wait for someone to die before we give them their flowers? So there's a whole conspiracy theory about that. Have you heard of it? Like what labels will do? Like oh, if, you, if you look at it, it's kind of wild, bro. I'm scared. So these labels, what they'll do is that they'll project, like let's say I'm a label, you're an artist. Yeah. I project that you're going to make me $50 million this year. You don't do it, mm-hmm. right? But I have an insurance policy on you. You see where I'm getting? Your insurance oh. policy is because I... Because me and my people did work, and we said, oh, we were supposed to have a $100 million a year with this artist. He didn't bring us that. So the insurance policy covers that $100 million. Dude, if you look so at you Juice World, off, if, you look at Juice Juice World? World, if you look at Juice World, uh, Peep, I think, and there was someone else. Like, yeah, oh, Peep, uh, yeah. XX Tentacion. I think they were under the same label or something like that. Something crazy. Dude, that's fucking scary. It's wild, bro. And, and I wouldn't put it past him at right? all. Right? Bro, right? I, I wouldn't put... I'm, I'm sure killed. there are so many people that have been murdered over entertainment uh, oh, just for, for money. 
Tupac, bro. No, I don't think he's dead. I think he's chilling. You think Tupac's like hanging out out with Biggie? Yeah. They're just laughing at everybody. Look how much money these people keep fucking bringing us. Smoking weed in the Caribbean. Yeah, dude. We're fucking, dude. At at the end of the day, us people, us normal people, we're all fucking retarded, dude. We have no idea what the fuck (laughs) is going on. I said that live on fucking, not live, but. (laughs) But, dude, it's just like, the thing is, it's just, we're so dumb and so oblivious to things that are happening that they could be. Pulling our strings either way, you know what I mean? Like that's and, what I'm and it's, noticing. It's now. gotten so easy for them. So easy. I before so blue bef- pill, red pill, it's so easy. Dude, before COVID, I had so much more faith in humanity. Same here. If Same you would have if you would have told me, if you would have sat me down and been like, Mike, this thing's gonna happen. It's got a ninety nine point six percent chance that everyone's gonna live. Yeah. We're gonna shut down the whole world and people are gonna start fucking hating Over each other. Jab everyone up. By the way, do you know why these strikes are happening? It's not just in Hollywood, by the way. I know we're here, so it's more they're we're probably happening in France. But they're happening in industries across the country. Really? Oh yeah, there's strikes for like freight workers and shit like that all no over the kidding, country. Dude. Absolutely. And the ones that give in, like I remember there was a company that gave in to the strike. They were under within six months. Part of what people didn't understand, and this is why it becomes so easy for us to be manipulated, because people don't, people didn't take economics in college. And there's a lot of people that, or they forgot all about right, it. Yeah. If you shut businesses down for an extended period of time, their margins get smaller. They're going to have to squeeze their employees, and that's what's happening. It's mm. not these evil people. And it's like Bob Iger makes a lot of money. Yeah, Bob Iger's a dick. Yeah. We get that. Yeah. But CEOs have always made a bunch of money. Mm. Inflation has always happened. Mm-hmm. What makes this different? We had inflation on the heels, and in large part, the reason we have inflation is because of all these businesses being forced to shut down and the corporate interests being pushed beyond the business interests. And now you have the government hiring all these IRS people to come in and take out the remaining small businesses that somehow Jesus survived Christ, the goddamn pandemic. Of and you course. have all these people sitting there going, Well, I think this is great. We were kept safe. And it's like, You're a fucking idiot. Jesus like, I'm sorry, dude. you're a fucking idiot. I told you we're stupid, dude. If, we're if you think like, oh, we had to do it's that over. to save lives, it's like, no, it was a consolidation of power. That's all it is. And there has never been more movement of wealth than these past, since Trump's fucking presidency, dude. When the pandemic started, there was one person worth over $100 billion. It was Warren Buffett. Now, as of a year, one year later, one year later, there were nine. It's a consolidation of money and a consolidation of power. So the people up here get everything, yeah. and the people in the middle get pushed down. Yeah, and yeah. they do it to con- to create power. And if yeah. you think about it, it's smart. Yeah, of course. Like that's course. the thing. I could sit it's here doing business. Yeah, it's it's what you're taught. Literally, to do. not even it's, all like. And when you con- see your opponent on the ground, you put your fucking foot mm-hmm. on their neck and you finish them. That's yep. how you're taught to do business. Yep. So people sit there and expect these people to suddenly start not liking money. Yeah. <laughs> It's not going to happen, dude. So you can't let them shut things down. You can't let them fuck the world up because they will use it to their own advantage. That's what they do. That's what they've been taught to do. That's how they made all this money. And people don't think about that. They just get so caught up in their emotions that their logic gets thrown out the window. Mm -hmm. And that's what the pandemic showed me is how little faith. Because if you would have said, hey, Mike, all this stuff's going to happen and people are just going to fucking take it. I go. In America? Yeah. No. Yeah, 100%. Bro. Not a chance. 100%. I say not a fucking chance. 100%. You're going to shut down the industry like that? You're going to make us take COVID tests before we go on set <laughs> for three years? We're going to have to take 18 jabs? No, I was literally taking a COVID test in February of this year to to work it for Disney. On, on uh, This year? Yeah, this year. I was taking COVID tests. This they had mask year. mandates. They had social distancing. They wouldn't let us eat oh inside. Oh, my God. you got to be fucking kidding me, dude. This That was February year. of this year Jesus, on a Disney Get set for it, Sterling Disney. Affairs. 
and that, get but that's, over it. But that's the deal they made. They made it with SAG. They made it with everybody. And then they were like, yeah, I think we can stop doing this the second that the writer strike happened. So when we come back, that won't be a thing anymore. But every actor, everybody knows, you go to that place, if you're in Hollywood like me, you go to that place on Sunset and Castle, and you do your little, little COVID test, and they let you come on set, like... That's the whole thing, dude. It's been that way for three years. I know. If you would have told me that this industry would have bent over and took it like that for Mm. three years back in 2019, I would have said you were crazy. But we're the ones leading it, dude. Hollywood's (laughs) the one leading it. It's nuts to me. It's almost like... It's it's almost like everybody's brain just shut off at one moment. And then we were like, okay, that's fine. And now I'm sitting here wondering... What is the new world going to look? Because the world's never going to look the same no, as it was. Never, no. I think it's, we're going to end. I think this next presidential election, something huge is going to happen. There's going to be something where everyone, it's going to blow up, bro. Dude, 2024 is going to be wild. It's going to blow up. I'm not going to lie. It's going to blow up. I'm a little excited for it. I'm, I'm so excited, bro. <laughs> I had this. Bit, I, had, I said it today. I'm going to work on it. But I feel like Robert Kennedy is just like the gay version of the Terminator. Jesus. He's just got that. He's got that voice. You know, it's it's not masculine, but. <laughs> Which I love Robert Kennedy. I'm all about it, dude. I'm, I'm down. But he Robert is the gay, Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, he's the gay Terminator. <laughs> he's the gay Terminator. I, I think Robert Kennedy is probably, if I were him, I would get some of that Elon Musk security. Yeah, yeah. Because he's going to need yeah. it. Oh, 100%. Like, Elon Musk rolls with absurd amounts of security yeah. now. And it's like, yeah, I bet. Yeah. Because they're yeah. gunning for you, dude. Yeah, and dude. I, like, the idea... That people wouldn't kill other people for large sums of money or have them killed is ridiculous. It's been going on since Jesus. Jesus. So someone made fucking five bucks killing Jesus. Yeah. And and the thing is, these people in the high ups, like, well, call it the Clintons or Trump. I don't want to I don't want to make it a divisive thing. Right. People with that kind of money and that kind of stature, if they think something's going to be out about that it could damage their image or damage what they feel they mean to the cause, mm-hmm. they're they'll off that motherfucker. Yeah. 100%. They will make sure hundred percent. They will make sure that they are protected at all 100%. costs. And the idea that people have when they see these people on TV, they think, oh well, they would never do that. That's ridiculous. They've of done a lot more for money. Exactly. For a lot less. Exactly. For a lot less. Like, how do you think they got all this money by being really upstanding, <laughs> yeah. hardworking citizens? <laughs> That's not how this works. Yeah. The American economy is built on lies and screwing people over. <laughs> yep. 100%. That's who we are, yeah. man. <laughs> um, but we are at an hour. I usually keep these at fucking 30 to 40 oh, minutes. Shit, this man, is I'm amazing. Sorry. You got to get to a mic. Yeah, yeah. Fourth wall, no ho. Joe Menente yeah, for life. Let's do it. Let's go, dude. Uh, <laughs> tell the people where they can find you, Mike. Uh, find me on Instagram at Mike Bassano. You can find me on TikTok at Mike Bassano. YouTube at Mike Bassano Comedy. Uh, I do a podcast called Catastrophic Love that's fantastic. Uh, we have a lot of great guests on there. Jesse's going to come on there. I'm going to see how it is to, to interact with someone who has a healthy relationship. <laughs> Because I think that might be something interesting. That would actually be interesting. Yeah, that would be interesting. <laughs> and uh, and then just come come to shows, dude. Like we want people to come to shows. Yes, like hundred percent. And trust me, you'll pay less to come to our shows than some of those, you know, Laugh Factory, Comedy Store. Like some of those. We're a lot funnier. And and I'll tell you, top to bottom, I'd put our shows over those. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the high end comics, those places. Yeah. yeah, they're gonna be better. Right. But a lot of your opening acts in those places are. Uh, I don't know. I've seen them, and I'm like, huh. And I could name five people I saw on an open mic the day before that yeah, were better. Yeah, 100%. So it's like, you know, it's yeah. tough. So if you can come to one of those shows, do. We're the little engines that could, and we're doing our best. Please come support us. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate you, brother. Thanks hey. so much for coming on this. My Big hands handshake. Are sweaty. Big handshake. I have hyperhidrosis.
It's disgusting. Is that for real? Yeah. That's awesome. Overactive sweat glands. Dude, it's that's disgusting. A, that's, that's an awesome word for it. Yeah. <laughs> that is actually an awesome <laughs> word. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll catch you later.